cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. The ground is soft, it's not... It's oh, it's not, heavy. Soft on time. It's, it's heavy. Okay. Hello and a huge warm welcome to the Bar Stewards Inquiry Sunday Sermon. An incredibly busy show we've got tonight. We've got all sorts of Bar Stewards exclusives, gossip, we've got drug taking, we've got all sorts. Not us, but right. trainers. And joining me are my usual counterparts in going through all this. Uh, to make this show as entertaining as we can. It's John Lang and Lorne Malver. Good evening, chaps. Good evening, John and Chris. Good yeah. evening. Yes, it's a busy show, so we've no time to fuck around, really. We'll uh, go through this week's classic clues and review the weekend's big action with Baid and the French Guineas today. But we're going to start off with the York-Dante uh, meeting, uh, one of our favourite meetings, myself and John. We did manage to attend... Um, uh, this week, uh, one of the days we managed, we'll come on to that in a, in a little short while, quite some, enter- some entertaining stuff to tell you, but we'll go through the main sort of uh, action that took place there. Can I say this? On the knaves, Meyer. Graham Cunningham says that, they all say that, don't they? All the cliche. Peter Norton, they all say that. Oh, get him on the knaves, Meyer. And we'll go to the Musidora, which was the, the, the first sort of like uh, classic trial, and obviously Emily Upjohn produced a rather big performance i felt she she never relaxed really in the early part of the race but still had absolutely oodles to spare over what she beat um which you know might not have been an awful lot um the time was okay um probably it was more than okay it was, it was a de- decent effort and obviously emily upjohn propelled propelled herself right into i think i believe looking at the prices now a strong oaks favorite at wrist five to four john what was your thoughts on emily upjohn in the paddock and uh, prospects for the oaks well it was a brilliant paddock as i mentioned to you um I thought she was all right, you know, I mean, physically, there's nothing you could grab her for. She just doesn't really fill me out, you know. Mm. In in the race itself, she couldn't have done any more than win like she did after pulling early. You know, she ne- as you'll say, she never relaxed. And to come away from, well, probably decent enough fillies like that, you know, I mean, you, you probably wouldn't have any question over her stamina unless she pulled hard. Of a faster pace at Epsom, which I suppose could happen. I don't know whether I'd be comfortable taking five to four. I think, unlike Quentin, we've missed the boat not taking the fours before the trail. I thought the Oaks was right for a shock this year. It looks like it probably isn't. There we go. Yeah, I I mean, I mean. I mean, Quentin was bang on with that on the, on the pod. He, he said, you may as well just um, have a good bet for the Oaks. And he's, he's the one sat pretty with the four-to-one voucher whilst uh, me and John are watching the world goodbye and doing nothing. <laughs> so Emily up, John, a best price, five to four for the Hooks. Um, we'll just fast forward a little bit, John, uh, before we come on to the Dante and the rest of the Oak week, um, to, the, to another filly that ran on Saturday and was very impressive again. Uh, under the uh, Holly Marquand uh, Nashua uh, of um, of Towsers, what 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 are we saying about Nashua? She's pretty solid as well, really. I mean, you'd say the farm might be a little behind the the Musidora, but there would, probably wouldn't be a lot in it, really. Again, she's she's done it really well, hasn't she? You know, I mean, inexperienced, still, uh, it's not a bad sell. The Muckadam has run quite well, hasn't it? They're going to want to go up, surely, yeah. Yeah. Do you know one thing that shocked me with with Nashua, and I, I don't mind getting it wrong, except when I'm doing my brains in. But um, what what surprised me, if you look at the family, the mother was a complete mudlark. The the siblings are all absolute juice monkeys, and yet 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 the. This filly, which took me aback at Adock on quick ground last time when she went from last to first, also quick ground at Newbury, despite there were a lot of protestations about Newbury on Saturday saying that, oh, well, he's watered, you know, but the times were held up really towards standard. So so you'd say that, well, you know, it's probably a tick in the Clark's box on this, this occasion in terms of times. 
And Nashua again, I wanted to see her on soft ground because that's what all the family and siblings, Princess Lulu, absolutely needed it. Mm-hmm. Having said that, well, I mean, well, yeah, that's it. Epsom do put plenty on. Um, that is something to bear in mind. Uh, don't forget, it's Sandown's clock who who likes to mess and meddle. I do think come Oaks Day, there'll be a few that's saying, well, you know, we want quick ground. But I, at the last Epsom meeting, he didn't leave it rattling quick. And it's what, remember the farce last year when everyone was moaning, saying... You, you won't want to water the night before the derby, so it'll walk at the slow side of good air at, at best. Yeah. And he'll have it like that by Wednesday, I would have thought, and then it's in the lap of the gods. If it rains, your mudlark pedigree might just come to the fore. I'm I'm more of a Nashua fan at 10 to 1 than I am Emily Upjohn at 5 to 4 for the Oats. I, I couldn't yeah, I don't I don't think there's a lot in them. I, 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 despite Emily Upjohn's impressive last two starts, which are winning by sort of long, long, big margins, again, I, I just. I put some context in that 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 I, I'm not so sure about the Musiora field, if I'm honest. Um, very difficult to gauge a, a rating, and 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 Nashua, in a way, similar similar comments apply, but the, I think they've both been just as impressive. So when when we're talking five to four and tens, I'm, I'm glad we get agreement there between the three of us. So that's the bar Stewart's way forward. Nash was a, probably a bit of value at ten to one. She was impressive. Um, okay, we'll move on to the rest of uh, York that on on the first day. Duke of York, they were strung out like line of washing job. It's strange, wasn't it? Because I mean, you wouldn't have thought there was that much wrong with the ground, and yet they strung out like two mile chesses. I mean, dragon symbols. Christ knows what about eighteen there. It's it was a remarkably bad run. It it, it to be honest that. That could have been a wind issue. The way that the way that stopped, I I, I am I'm probably guessing at wind. Um, that that just that just went out as if. But then again, you say that there was sit right Garris, Garris for example. I know you don't like Garris, but um, he's Garris, he's hundred and ten. Uh, Minzal was six clear of Garris. Well, Spike right, Spycatcher was another length in front of that. So Spycatcher's not seven lengths better than Garris, is it? No. Absolutely not. I feel Princess isn't nine and three quarter lengths better than a fit Garris. It's just not it's not possible. Um and it, having said that, uh, the vet said that Garris bled from the nose. So maybe it could be just a thing of that Duke York, why they were strung out like they were, was possibly down to the bizarre uh, factor of nothing's run the race. Um, After the thing looked like the red colour. Yeah, it, it does happen. From time to time it does happen, and that could have been the reason there. But we'll come on to a couple of questions regarding York and the, and, and the track, because it's something me and you've always touched on, John. Uh, regarding York, and we scratch our heads on this. Uh, Nick Nick Palfrey's been on. He said the York surface is kip, but the rest of the race course is elite. Is there is there a reverse example a track that is a top class turf, but the, the but the rest of the course is pure gaff? Um, we'll come on to that in in a second. Nick, just get the other points in. Um, James Devlin makes the point about the the Duke of York, i.e. the Highfield Princess. Um, you know, strung out like chases, etc. Um, he says, do they go too hard too soon or is it something in the surface? Vipok answered that question and said uh, he's wondered the same. And, and he said that basically the surface is essentially reclaimed marshland, um, quite unique, especially uh, and he thinks it gets worse when the ground is uh, on the soft side of good. And that's something, John, that you've said before. When York gets soft, we get some strange results, do we not? We do, and you can get some strange results on watered good. I remember the... Yeah, that Terryman won the Judmont International. I think it was called the Judmont then, way back when. And there were some astonishing results, really. Um, and most of the stable staff that week that were taking horses out on the morning for a blow down the back straight, and that was saying what beautiful ground it was. It felt smashing. And nothing could make any ground up all week. There was some horrendous results. I think Dylan got stuffed in the yes. crack. Um, I remember that, yeah. Henry Cecil had a couple and one of the voltage uh, got stuffed. Um, it, it, it was ridiculous, you know. I mean, there were some lads I knew from 
they'd come from Chester for the three days they went shopping on the last day. <laughs> they said they were going to spend less. Um, so, I mean, uh, it, it, it really started the men from the boys added about far larger. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and we, we were non flush really. Uh, Julian Wilson had a winner, fucking hell. It, horrific week all round, you know. <laughs> uh, no one no one can have stole his prize then, John. No, well, nobody stole the, the fast strip of ground up the rail on the far side anyway, because that's where Pontanilla went and he wasn't for catching after they turned in. Uh, yeah. Like Terryman. You know, it's a very, very strange place sometimes. And I think you could turn yourselves inside out trying to work it out. I've just sort of come to the conclusion, I bet as though it's like any other track if if the track does me, it does me, you know, because you can't second guess it. Just covering off that first day then as well, going back to the the races, um, Garcia won the Open of the, the Jorvik Handicap. What's interesting about that this week that I was quite quite impressed with that 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 win. I think there's more up its sleeve, and I do think that's his his Ebor horse. Like you said, John, the trainers are very very much creatures of habit. Yeah. Um, same route as Illarab, really. Um, you know, it puts it in the hard wick, and then you know, and it probably run in the hard wick, and then they'll they'll work out where they probably obviously it wouldn't probably run in the Ebor if it wins six in the hard wick, but but anyway, um, but yeah, that, that's a sort of plan for that. And interestingly, the sibling ran at Thirsk on Saturday, a horse called Mandobe. That's its half-brother. Um, that's by Ifraj. It's the, it's the same mom uh, Ujuba, obviously. This horse looks to be getting physically better, mentally better. And I, I genuinely think this is his Melrose horse um, for York. I think, you know, when Haggis goes north, so he sent it to Ripon, 10 furlongs at Ripon. No good, no good, 10 furlongs. Then up to 12 furlongs at Thirst, beats trees. Haggis doesn't want too much weight. That's what he's saying. He doesn't want to turn up in a, at the moment, in a new market handicap or a new market maiden, end up with 87, you know, straight away. He wants to build the horse's experience, probably end up with 85 and go from there and then work out what he needs to be to be competitive or win the Melrose. Would you would you say that's... Did you take a look at Mandobi on Saturday, John, in the main? Yeah, yeah he's a good start. Um, he, he's the type that you can see progressing throughout the season, so I wouldn't argue with any of that. Yeah, a decent week for the shirt, um, obviously, and we'll come on to that. But we'll go on to the Dante, um, Dante Day, Thursday, and... An interesting day. Um, again, a day I, I, I sort of half struggled, half didn't. Cruyff turned in me a favour in the Hamilton. As um, he does. Yeah, thick, 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 thick turn and thick, thick, thick Dave and Cruyff turn are my two favourite people at the moment. Um, lovely, lovely. Twice there over the course and distance at nice prices. Um, but we'll come to the Dante, and um, it's fair to say this was a blistering performance. Uh, from Desert Crown, I felt. I couldn't argue with that either. Um, I was very impressed with the horse because he, he did look as though he'd taken up for the run. You couldn't travel the way he travelled. I, I did notice watching it back. Um, there's, there's something in his action when he when he quickens and changes legs. And he did the same thing at uh, Nottingham on Debut. And it's like he sort of half props. And he, it's unusual. It's a, it's a bit stand out to when when he does it it's only for the one stride mm. but it's as though he's not quite sure what he's doing yet and if yeah. that's yes he's, he's probably got a bit more improvement in him than maybe we think you know it's it's some it's some performance to do it um second start um it really it, it really is uh, obviously to win a nottingham made and get put away um and then come out and do and I think Stout was quite like emotionally, he's quite choked up about it. And obviously, we we know obviously with with uh, uh, the Barons had had personal issues. We obviously losing his wife, and you know, obviously the, he's, he's had a lean time with sort of like earning some serious tackle. And obviously, the blow of like sort of Shadwell saying no to him, blah de blah. And now I think I think I think all that may be just a built up there. Did you, did you see the interview um, with Lids, John? On yes, TV. 
Yes, and uh, like you say, you did seem as though it was a, a big thing for him. This, you, you know, you, you can understand it because plenty of people, myself included, have been pretty much writing him off, right? Because you, you look at performances over the last couple of years, and you'd be wondering where the next big winner was coming from. To be honest, it is it to say this is probably the last row of the dice, but. You know, I mean, I think I think there was quite a lot on the line for the old lad, you know, and mm. it's good to say, you know, because I think racing needs trainers like that performing at the top of the game, you know, because over the last few years, you know, I mean, it was a yard you could rely on for horses to have the graph going in the right direction all the time, and there's not many yards where you can count on that, and. Uh, as a punter, speaking as a punter, yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I was pleased it, it won for him really, um, especially because if he hadn't, we know he would have won it. Yes, the kilt. <laughs> that that that'll, that'll find its way into a not a one or a five before end of the season. <laughs> Probably new market, but might might be November handicap. The, the, the thing was uh, as well. I thought that ran really well. He did, he did. You know, joking um, aside, yeah. I, I, I give him 110 for that. Yeah. Um, and that's as good as I've had him, actually. Um, I think Blowgrass showed improvement as well, as did Dark Moon Rising in fourth, slight improvement. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think it was a good dandy, and uh, I think the winner goes to Epsom with a large chance. I think I think not just a live chance. I think I think a huge chance. As everyone knows, I love a shorty. And um, when when the initial prices came in, three to one Desert Crown was laid straight after the race to about eight quid across the boards, and um, ended up <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, and and ended up sort of a general two to one chance, um, nine or four in a place at the moment. But I I to, I know the different types of horses. I'm not comparing the two. But obviously they won the same race. That's all I'm comparing. The authorised gave me the same gut feel that this that that was the yeah. Derby winner after that Dante. You, your your problem at Epsom is going to be the O'Brien Peloton. Yeah. As it is for any fucker that goes to Epsom now with one live candidate, because if he runs six, you can have the two tear asses, the two in the middle, and the two sweepers. Yeah. What do you do? Do you are you the one that chases the tear asses? Are you the one that sits in the middle and still risks getting picked up by the sweepers? What do you do? You know, lot of pressure on young Kingscott. There is, there is, but I, I I genuinely feel that as long as he doesn't get a coffin box draw, say on the inside in one, and he get he gets a sort of nice middle draw where Kingscote can go left or right, you know, the, when when they, when they start off and edge to the right, and then Kingscote can hopefully get his position that he wants. But I agree with you, it's, it's a lot of pressure for the lad. But I, I do, I, I'd make him, if he got a decent draw on the day, I'd make him an 11.08 chance, I think, to win it. Um, I, I, I think it's a similar similar sort of chance to authorise. You just need the, I think, the breaks. He definitely beat Stone Age for me. Um so and, and and the rest of them. So so yeah. So I, I was very pleased, like you, John, to see the Baron um, back in the big time with potentially a, a superstar this year. Hopefully for him, Desert Crown. Nothing else much at York that day really uh, regarding anything worth talking about. Um, so we'll move on to the weekend action, and obviously the talking horse that everyone comparisons I've seen to Frankel stuff like this. Not nowhere near there yet, but. It was hard to pick holes in Baid's Lockinge performance, John. Excellent performance, excellent comeback. You know, I mean, ticked every box, did it nicely. You couldn't knock the horse one jot for that. He's beat a reasonable yardstick on quick turf, real world. I think Chindit's probably run as well as he's ever run. So, yeah, getting it in perspective, he, I've still got him around the one tail far, one tail far, Mark. You know, he, he's, a, he's a way to go to emulate Frankel, hasn't he? But, you know, you can't knock the arse for doing everything right. No, I mean, I'm one, two, seven with a with a huge plus. Um, I, I genuinely think he can get there up into the sort of 
see the stars frankel rangers um which you'd have to you know to get to see the stars you'd probably be looking at improving another seven or eight pounds i think he can get there i think uh, i saw nick davis post something on twitter that sort of like i i agreed with and he said that he'd have to basically slam caribus um with a similar authority for for people to say yes that's that's early 130s etc would you agree with that yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, probably. And that could happen. I mean, I mean, obviously, I, you 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 think well. I think the shirts mentioned where he's going next. He said he wanted to go. Ideally, this wasn't set in stone, but Queen Anne, followed by uh, the Sussex, followed by the Judmont. That was the sort of plan muted. Yeah, I mean, see the sense in that really, you know. Come there, you're already going down. So, I mean, I mean that that's a that's a mouthwatering prospect there, where obviously it looks like Baid would probably meet Caribus in the Sussex. You would think, um, if not Caribus for whatever reason, his trail are that French guineas winner today. It could be, could be, could be one numerous one of uh, Appleby's. Uh, uh, monsters uh, that he's got this season, uh, but yeah, I mean, Baid, it was a, it was a, it was a thrilling performance, and um, I was possibly surprised to see at the price it was. To be honest, I, I genuinely, I wouldn't have been surprised to have seen that return falls on. I know it sounds after the time, but, but well, you said on Saturday night you thought Tills on was a good price. I did, yeah. I'd, I'd much rather be a backer than a layer, and I did, I did back it on Betfair near the off but he's, he's one of those he's one of them if you don't if you don't have a bet on the race if that goes off 1.27 or something you know you're not surprised you're not going oh well that doesn't deserve to be that so I thought it was quite generous especially what Jim Jim had said Jim Crowley had said and whether it's lying Jim or not but he'd said that the, the horse had done some incredible work um prior so so yeah, the horse obviously kicked on and improved again, and and why wouldn't he? He didn't begin his career until three, and um, there could be a lot more to come up in trip as well over a mile and a quarter. I don't think he needs it yet, John. Would you say that? Would you agree with that? He's not crying out for it, is he? Not by any stretch. Um, yeah. it, it's just quite exciting to look at that pedigree and say what it can go with a mile now. Yeah, you know, I mean, anything out of a King Mambo mare. Say the stars as I say, it's a mile and a half, even, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, bro, a brother to Hookham, isn't it? <laughs> Hookham. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I love your quips on Hookham last year. It's either Fuckham, let's back Hookham, or. <laughs> anyway, just to finish Saturday off, because there were nothing else that floated my boat really on that Saturday. It was the. Uh, Jamie Spencer show at Doncaster on Saturday night. Lo and behold, John, you know, Spenny rides the treble. Sim Cock has a winner. Well, you know, can we see a coincidence with these lads? We we we've stated on this we've stated on this show many a time. You know, people have asked us and said, "Oh, you know, I've been Sim Cock," and and it's it's round Chelmsford or Chester or or you know, it's like <laughs> you, you just know what they're going to do. So what's the point? You know, sit, sit and watch the kilt six clear turning in. We, we Spencer getting traffic problems at Chester, or do you want a nice galloping expanse where you can just sit nicely uh, with your ass in the air? You know, at, at the back of the field, just just try taking your time. When are we when are we going to make our move? And I think just, we agreed last week, didn't we? You know, actually, Simcock is probably the man, really, because his percentage. If he was having these ridden properly, he'd probably be about twenty-eight percent. Absolutely, this is a, this is a bastard statement from me and John. When we always say, "Well, you've been Simcock," the man's eighteen percent holding everything out the back of the telly. An incredible trainer. This lad would be thirty percent if he rode his races properly. But being one-dimensional has its has its flaws, and and and, and this is what we say at Yarmouth, Doncaster, big long straight tracks like Newbury where they can hold them up as long as they want, they have great strike rates. You know, but, you know, do you want to back them round Wolverhampton and 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 gas pits like that last while everyone's riding the finish? They're just sat there like plums. But but that's it. So Simcock, it's official. It's a bastard statement. Simcock is the best trainer in the UK today because just, to have that strike rate held and everything up is immense. In fact, John, we looked at it, didn't we? Simcock... Yeah. 
has held up 75% of his runners. 75%. I think the kilt is the other way around. Kilt's made the running with about 70% or 60% and held up 20 odd, uh, just held up just 20% of his runners since since starting training. So that just tells you all you need to know. That just tells you everything. Um, anyway, we'll move on to the guineas. Not the English guineas, but the, or the Irish guineas, but the French had, had, had their, their, their turn today to showcase their talents. And I wasn't suitably impressed, John. No. <laughs> the uh, the French 1000 was abysmal, really, wasn't it? I mean, they all finished in a heap. Yeah. Um, cat shit did uh, a, a bit for the Nelwyn farm once again, which <laughs> seems to be standing up for him. Well, well, yes, with English guineas, second in the French guineas. Yeah, you can't, you can't knock that. Um, the the one I, I did sort of take out of the race was D- Daisy Maisie that finished fifth. Right. I, I thought that one looked as though she was crying out for another quarter of a mile, and I thought she might be interesting in a French Oaks. I know, I know she had a bit of an in, interrupted preparation for her trial. I was reading the trainer's comments. And then... Uh, the way the way she ran today, I, th- I thought another another couple of furlongs would do her the world of good, because uh, she she didn't look quick enough for this, but she was keeping on nicely. Another stride, she'd have been fourth, and I'd say another furlong she'd have beat that lot. No, interesting. Bottom Bassett, uh, Champs Elysees mare, so. Interesting uh, note, John. There that you think uh, the horse they're trained by. Um, who is it? Barb Barbara, don't don't know don't know French trainers very well. Um, written by Greg Gregory Benoit sounds like a yeah. Um, don't know the Charles Aznavour or something like that. <laughs> anyway, so, night. Marcel Marceau. <laughs> yeah, Gerard Deputy. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's he's the best Frenchman. Um, Two fifty-five. Then that was the uh, Poule de Sire de Poulain, um, the French Guineas, won by the Appleby Machine. Just keeps chuntering on with these fast types. They just keep winning everything. Um, modern games. Um, Fatty Will Buick put a pound overweight, John. Yeah, I don't think it made a lot of difference to be honest. He seemed to win it fairly snug at first. He was well on top at the finish. Um, Misty finally, bad performance from Claymore, I thought. Well, not Misty fine, when you saw Kirby riding the lugs off it for the first hundred yards, and then the arse went keen. But I, I keep looking at that arse, and I, I think out of a high chaparral mare, I, I think this is all, all wrong myself, who we might argue with Mrs Chapel High, a very, very good trainer under normal circumstances, Brad. I'd be thinking, man, the quarter man half for this lad. Yeah, I've gone I, off, Jay. I've gone off, Jay. Um, I don't know what we're thinking with this today. No, I mean modern modern games. I, I think it was a fairly smart performance. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's 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 in the league of uh, the other two that they've got, Caribus and. Um, and native uh, native trail, um, but 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 I, I do think that he, he's useful in his own right. I'd be interested to see what pass they take. I think it was muted after the race that they were going to try the French Derby with him. Um, yeah, the new approach may probably get the trip all right. Um, you wouldn't think they've got anything else for it, would you? So. No. Um, so maybe, maybe that's the that's that's the that's the angle there with that. Uh, so nothing to gain from the trials, I think, from us going forward for this year anyway, in terms of bets or punts. Um, so that more or less covers off um, our review. Um, before we go on to the fun part of the show, um, which is uh, getting down and dirty with all the dirty things in the sport, we'll just finish off with a Jimmy Lindley, John, um, so to cover the racing off. Um, have you got a Jimmy Lindley for me this week? I have. This one ran yesterday at uh, Naran, believe it or not. And it ran in the Malmaquarter Maiden behind Vega Magnifico. Um, and this one is Sarah Quail. The owners have uh, horses with Murter, I believe. This one's with R.P. Cody, who 
I must admit, I haven't really come to my attention much before this. Um, but this put up a very, very interesting performance, I thought. I spotted this in running. It was uh, nice, nice way out the back. It missed the kick completely. Eye-catching headway just after the turn in. The jockey sat there like he was having a shit. He wasn't moving a muscle. <laughs> and, like, with it being relatively unfancied, I was sort of thinking, what the fucking hell is this coming up? He's going to bait the lot of them. And then inexperience kicked in. Oh, so hung, hung left, ran very green. Was sprawling all over the place. Ended up finishing sixth, I think. Um, and I think there's oodles of improvement to come with this. Um, so the King's best mare should probably stick to this trip, I would have thought. Got a lot of ability, I think. And uh, wouldn't be quite interested. Maybe when we say a bit of money for it, I don't know what the plan is, obviously, whether the they got nearly handicapped or what, but I mean, I thought it was worth a good 76-ish now. Good stuff. So Sarah Kale, spelled S-A-R-A-Q-A-E-L, ridden yesterday by, uh, on the Saturday by Gypsy Lee and trained by R.P. Curdy. Ran on late into six. You may want to watch that and put that in your trackers. That's John's uh, interesting Jimmy Lindley horse. Mine ran at Ross Common. This is not, again, this is not sort of lovely hands, sort of not off uh, pick. It's more of a horse I think is ready and will be winning possibly a very good race uh, going forwards. Uh, this ran at Ross Common on the Monday night. It ran in the 5.30 race. Quite a very warm handicap, this one, um, full of sort of types that either weren't off or whatever. But Elzarm Blue, um, Chris Hayes was on board. This is a horse that did me did me a favour at Dundalk when I, I actually had a real good bet on it, uh, second start this year when it beat Adapter Dan. And um, I think it's a really, really smart horse. However... The wide draw dropped in, soft, heavy ground would not have suited Elzarm Blue um, on Monday night. By Elzarm out of a Dan Silly Mare, um, I don't really see. That's why they started it off on the old weather and it showed good form. Soft, heavy is not this horse's cup of tea. And to be fair, when they entered Elzarm Blue, it wasn't soft, heavy. It was like good ground, but they had lots of rain at Roscommon. So it absolutely, the ground just went totally against it. I see they've entered it in the... Uh, Cora William Hill Emerald Mile handicap on Friday, a big handicap. I don't think it'll get in that. Um, it's probably punching above its weight anyway for this moment in time. It's only rated 82. But this is a horse that will win one of these nice Saturday handicaps or weekend handicaps in Ireland, 40 grand races, one of them. This is a really good horse with a really good turn of foot. Um, and I promise you, this will be winning. Uh, it'll be it'll be rated a lot higher than eighty two. Um, let's hope the handicapper drops it after Roscommon. Um, but but yeah, I do I do think this will be like uh, mid nineties, etc. It's, it's a real smart horse. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna make it up into a nice title late this year. So Elzarm blue for me. Right, that finishes the horse shit off um, for this week, and we go on to our juicy talking points. So if this is a part of the show that you like, where we just slag everybody off, um, here we go. Um, right. We had, we've got something to tell you, haven't we, John? We had a great day out, didn't we, on Thursday? We, <laughs> we, 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 we did, we did the. I, I keep saying, I keep, I keep saying Thursday. This is, the, I, I get my days mixed. It was a Wednesday, weren't it? It was Musy Dora. Yeah, yeah I'll get it right. I mean, God, I can, I can, me and my days, um, they're all the same. The seven of them don't matter, does it? Um, <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Um, anyway, it was Musy Dora day, and me, John. Councillor Woodman and the producer decided to take a day out and go to the York Wayne Room restaurant, the brand new restaurant there. Uh, superb value for money in my mind. I think it was £215 a head. You got a three course, beautiful meal, beautiful food, brilliant facilities right overlooking the, the course and the, and, the, and the paddock and the pre parade. And it's absolutely brilliant. I, I thought it was top value for money because of the quality. Uh, on offer that you know some you some people beside them saying 200 quid but really it was it was very very good value down south that's double that at least oh um, you wouldn't get a bonus bucket for that round here <laughs> <laughs> oh, 200 quid yeah. and um i mean 
the, the, the day was was one of those to remember, I think. We, we had so much fun. Um, Councillor Woodman picked us up um, in good form. Uh, was Councillor Woodman. Even well, more... What about, even, was, he was as pissed as a cricket. <laughs> thing is, I couldn't believe he turned up. He was that frightened of you, John. This is a Conservative councillor. He turns up in a red tie. <laughs> what Conservative councillor ever does that? Uh, it, was, it was it was camouflaging, so he was trying to blend in, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I think he was. I think he was frightened. I think he was nervous with you, John. But I think he he's seen your rants on Twitter and he's thought. Oh, uh, that, I, I, don't, I don't know where we was. I think it was Tory Central there. Thought like, you know it should have been me wearing the camouflage. <laughs> you could smell the money, couldn't you, John? It wasn't oh. from us. But you could smell the money in there. It was you dripping. You could taste it. Never mind smell it. Yeah, in the air. It was all in the air, all in the You know, the, even the producer noted that a certain David Easterby said, um, have you got a wine cellar? She overheard that in conversation. You know, I mean. <laughs> John's got a cellar. Maybe don't keep wine. Well, we know, we know Mick's got a pantry, hasn't he, where he does all his onion pickling and stuff like that. Okay. Well, well. <laughs> we'll come. We'll come on to this in a bit because the, the story gets gets pretty good actually. Uh, but anyway, so Councillor Woodman takes us to the track, and um, obviously he was being expertly guided by uh, uh, me and the producer, and he was all over the place. And then we, we get into the car park, and he, and he got immensely confused. Um, the the car park attendant told him to turn left, um, and that was the direction of the uh, hospitality parking and the owners. He decided to drive straight on for some unbeknown bizarre reason. He's zigzagging about. The the, the car park attendant was on his walkie-talkie thinking, who are these idiots? You know, he was was all over the place. He said, oh, you better turn around. You better turn around and go back. So he turns around. He's making a bollocks of that. Tries to to turn around in a real tight space to get on the right. He got lollipop, didn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, gained the right track. He was burning at that point as well. He, he was saying things like, "This is this is just terrible, terrible setup." He's saying, and we're all looking at each other perplexed. And then, and then, so he finds the right right trail into the into get parked. And um, there's there's this there's this woman obviously dressed correctly in a in an orange jacket, you know, like 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 stewards do, you know, orange jacket, nice fluorescent, easily easily seen. And she's waving us towards this car parking space rather invitingly. Only Councillor Woodman chooses not to see that. And, and he drives he drives like way past. And like we're all saying, what, what are you doing? And he says, well, they don't make it easy for you, do, do they? He says. And, I, and I, me and John look at each other and we say, you know, this is a fluorescent orange jacket. You know, Heathrow Airport will be taking this woman next week with ping-pong bats guiding 747s into park. I mean, such was it obvious that this... And, and all, all, all the, the car parking staff will have been telling each other that he's drunk. You could tell it on the face as if to say that, you know, the councillor's drunk. Oh, so that was the start, and that got us going. And, John, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you fill us in what happened later in the day with... Uh, with uh, the Easterbys. Well, at the end of the day, they brought the uh, the cakes out and the sandwiches for the afternoon tea and everything. They, they were quite amenable. They left them out for a good 40 minutes to oh. an hour, didn't they, <laughs> before they started wanting to clear up. I mean, that's the thing. You get your afternoon tea pretty rapidly after your lunch. You know, it's a big plate of sandwiches and cakes and stuff. I mean, we had no chance. We we weren't getting through all of that, were we? No chance. And Ethan came and took hours away. We we had enough. Then then we realised why 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 everything was getting taken away so quickly because uh, the Easterby party was getting everything boxed up to take home. Why were they getting them boxed to take home, John? Well, a bit skinned down. So you say that they were boxing them up. I mean, you know, for, for, for Mick and Alice. At all. Well, I think we must have put an order in or something, you know. Uh, out left there, he was having it, you know. Uh, and away it all went, you know. I mean, we never got off of the doggy bag, did we? No, because we, 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 aren't, we, aren't, we aren't gentry like the Easterbys. Um, I mean, this is it. the Easterbys had all the cakes, basically, boxed up, ready to go. Uh, we mix shoving it in Alice's mush, do you think, later on that night, John? 
Well, I don't know what the deal sexually, but you know. I mean. <laughs> But so yeah, it was. I mean, I mean, just, 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 just basically experiencing that was was, was quite funny. Uh, the, the, I mean, Mick obviously known for his ice cream ventures on course. Obviously, Mick not not in the greatest of health. I've heard lately having some time off from the race courses, but he still gets his feet, John. You don't get where he is today by just letting things slide. You've got to keep your standards up. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it was it was a great day and great value for money. And, I, and I've had a lot of people on Twitter slagging race courses off, but I, I genuinely believe that York offered great value for that package, uh, what we did that day, which I'm coming to you, Chris, because you've been quiet this year because we've been waffling. Yeah, we're going to start on like race course attendances, and there's lots of concerned people around mainly race course bookmakers that are reporting that they're around 30% down on takings on average at very like Chester, York, etc. Um, and you know, things aren't going so well uh, for those chaps. And re- and York as well have reported that their 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 attendance um was twenty nine percent down on what they usually get for this meeting, six thousand seven hundred and fifty on the Wednesday, that's all they got. Um uh it was down on each each day. And York was competitively priced, I felt, to get in. I know people moan about prices and say that's the reason. I don't think it's the reason. I, I genuinely think there's other things at play. But what do you think? Well, I, I kind of disagree. I think I mean I'm not sure what the entry price for York was, but I think generally speaking, you know, going racing is a very expensive day out. When you consider you've got to get put, you know, diesel in the car, you've got uh, the entrance fee for however many people in your party. You've got, um, you know, obviously York aside, you've got usually quite overpriced food and drink. You've got uh, your betting money for the day. You know, it, it's not a cheap day out. And, and if you look at the, obviously the wider economy where people are struggling to, you know, heat their houses, feed their children, clothe themselves, you know, it, it's a discretionary purchase, isn't it? So I, I think it's going to be really, really difficult for race courses to, to get bodies through the door because, you know, people are cutting back on leisure spending everywhere you look. I mean, if you look at you know, Netflix, people are cancelling the subscription to Netflix, Disney and all, all these sorts of nice to have type purchases because, you know, they're, they're struggling to put food on the table. So I think race courses have got to think really creatively to get people back through the door. And, you know, even if they do get them through the door, you know, do people want to bet in significant amounts of money or do they want to spend their money on food and drink and a, and a nice day out? So, I think there's really hard times ahead, you know, unless the economy picks up massively imminently, which is incredibly unlikely. I think, you know, racing staring down the barrel of a gun. I, you know, I don't know what John thinks on that, because I think you disagree, Lee. But, yeah, I think it's hard times ahead. No, I, I, I genuinely do think uh, that there is hard times ahead. I think basically because race courses have modelled their pricing a lot of the time on past past success. Um, yeah, sure. You know, like, like obviously there was a after we got let let out last time after lockdown, the big big booming race course attendances because no one had been allowed to do anything for ages, no, quite, and, quite. and and Pete and some people are quite flushed with money because for various reasons they could have been furloughed, working another job, and and everything was going swimmingly, so they were spending it. Um, so I think times have changed now where people are are probably a lot shorter of money than what they were, and. Obviously, there's a choice to make, and if the weather's not 24 degrees and and belting down, and you know, and the people think, well, I can't be bothered. I'll wait. I'll wait till the sun's out and go racing. I think that's where we're at with racing, and probably racing needs to to wake up on that. John, have you any thoughts on 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 race course attendances and why we why are we that much down? Is it, is it a massive concern or is it temporary in your view? I, I don't think it's a massive concern because over the last couple of years I think I must have highlighted a dozen times on here the reluctance of racing as an entity to market the betting side and be interested in getting people betting and now I think this is when they're going to fail the squeeze if they've been promoting betting as they should have been doing when it was when it still is you know they don't realise it underpins the sport you can't Keep the racing going on ice cream sales. It's as simple as that. Kill uh, thinks you can. Good, good for him. <laughs> yeah. He's an idiot, isn't he? Um, and, and that's the thing, you know. Um, 
the need to promote betting urgently, you know, and all these affordability checks, and they're doing everything they can to stop people betting. And then you've got bookmakers reporting from York, like Jeff Banks, I think the the biggest losing bet he took was a tenner, and he was laying, laying winners to a grand and 1,500 quid. Yeah. We, we know that's politics, but... You get the gist that the the ring was pretty dead, really, um, and it, it ain't good enough, you know. And getting people there just, just to cheer for Stradivarius and the yeah. up there exactly. doesn't cut it. It doesn't cut the mustard. Yeah. That, that's absolutely right. The, the, the sport is funded on betting income and betting revenue. Yeah, you know, as you say, no matter how many people come through the door and and have pints of beer and ice creams, etc., if they're not actually betting, they're not actually contributing to the long term survival of the sport. And ITV don't help, as you said, with the Stradivarius story. You know, we're all sitting at home cheering Stradivarius. We're not. You know, it's just another race on which people can have a bet. You know, okay, if you're if you're a sort of a, a, an objective observer or you haven't had a bet, yeah, maybe maybe you would cheer. Uh, you know, a multi-millionaire owner and a multi-millionaire jockey and a multi-millionaire trainer winning a, you know, a large pot. But fundamentally, it, you know, it's a betting product, and, and they just don't, they just seem terrified to push it. And, and that's because the, you know, the wider climate is anti-gambling. You know, these people are prohibitionists. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to regulate betting. Their agenda is they would be very happy if betting didn't exist because of their own failures in life, because they couldn't, you know, bet enough winners or they gambled all their money away. They want gambling banned. And these people are prohibitionists. They are not interested in regulating or or managing problem gambling. They want it banned. Those are the kind of people you're dealing with. And when, when you look at the wider economics of the thing, I mean, racing is essentially a sport that survives entirely on spare money. Yeah. Even people that are buying horses, you know, I mean, yeah. if, if Sheikh Mohammed was struggling to feed his family, he wouldn't be buying countless horses every year. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so you, you, your middle tier of owners and your lower tier of owners, they're going to be the first ones that say, fuck this, there's, yeah. no, there's no return, we're struggling there, you know, interest rates are going up, mortgages, all the rest of it. First thing you cut, isn't it? The, the unnecessary expenses. And it's interesting because, you know, even the so-called sort of middle and lower tier of owners, in the grand scheme of things, these individuals who own horses either, you know, in, in partnership or, or, or by themselves are still, by any objective measure, wealthy people. These aren't, this, these aren't men in the street. These are business owners. These are people with a lot of money behind them. So, you know, when ITV says, oh, you know, isn't it great, little man? And so, well, these aren't little men. These are invariably millionaires who own one or two horses. So yeah. those guys are cutting back. Well, those, those women or those people are cutting back. Racing should be very worried because these people aren't populous. No, these. I mean, the, the, the weird, the weird thing that racing's got at the moment is it's quite hilarious that everyone's pushing for a certain type of of, of uh, customer. Yeah. The bookmakers want lads, lads, lads. Yeah. Um, uh, the the um, the race courses want them to come and drink and spend on drinking products, and they want them to listen to a band afterwards. Um, there is absolutely no promotion anymore about how how you can do well from betting, how you can win from betting. You know how how it's possible to to, to make money out of the game and, and enjoy it at the same time. Um, the, the sell the dream, as, as I've pointed out on several shows. But what's more concerning is that. Is that so? The, they're trying to encourage youngsters into the sport, the BHA, by initiatives and and getting tracks to do certain things and get more hands on with the horses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they're not. But at the same time, these youngsters are, are going to be restricted by bookmakers on affordability. Now yeah. that that is just bonkers. That's like saying, well, coming to the sport, but you can only you can only have so much on. You, can only, you don't you don't think you can make a lot of money at this game because you're only allowed to put this amount on, and it's it's a very very weird. That, so it, it is the ultimately if that's the way forward and if that is what's going to happen, it is the death of the sport without what's, a shadow of a doubt. What sport? You know, you come into the sport, but you can only have this amount on. You can't have a bet. Well, if that's the case, then there is no sport. There no. is no beer. There, there's no industry because the um, industry 
And the sad, thing, the sad thing is about this, really, I mean, how many people would we all know now who would absolutely benefit no end from having the ability to nick 200 quid a month on Betfair now? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Precisely. I mean, they're taking the dream away from everyone. You're not, you're not allowed, you're not allowed yeah. to, to, yeah. to be a winner. You, you know, you're just I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying you know play play full time, try and win five grand a month, anything like that. I'm saying try to nick two hundred a month. Yeah. Just yeah. help it out, you know. Pay your lucky bill, something yeah. like that. It, yeah. That that can be done without too much difficulty, really, can it? We all yeah. know that. But you know, who would promote that? Well, it's it's like the old days, of, you know, when I when I was younger and I, I used to, I used to go racing because I I could see them in the paddock and if I sometimes it could unlock a race if I saw one that was as fat as butter and it was third in and that was my danger and I was worried about it I'd march straight down to the ring and have you know 180 quid in cash on on favour at six to four because I felt the third five was out of the way and um, it probably comes second to second five but. Um, <laughs> But anyway, but, but that's the gist. That that's the edge. That's the that's the that's what makes the world. You know, money makes the world ground. And we we're going into a classic system where stock markets are all right, even though Bitcoin you've done your bollocks on lately, and that's that's fine. It's fine. You can do fortunes on Bitcoin, but you know you're not allowed to do you know four or five hundred pounds on a on a horse because it's just it's it's, it's classist and and. I, I, I'm just absolutely perplexed at the marketing strategies of the BHA. Everything. It's the factions pulling in different directions. It does feel like racing's absolutely broken. And I mean, this faction thing. I mean, this is just a, a cop out from Harrington yeah. because a true leader would get these factions pulled together in no time. This is lacking the will to do it. You know. You, you knock the trainers in. Said, they're all licensed. Race courses are licensed to race under rules. They don't tow the line. You withdraw the license. They become a flapping track overnight. You know, it's the will to do it and crack heads together, and that's what's required. It's desperate times. I mean, I mean, so Paul Salkel's been on. He says, can free admission Monday to Thursday be a viable proposition for race courses? No, we've got to have some gate money. Yeah, it's. it's only thing is, like, I don't understand finances like with media rights. I know, I know that you, some meetings are put on in midweek purely on media rights money, and 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 it's it, it's I think it's a good screw. You know, if you're putting on low class racing and you're not having to add much to the prize money uh, yourselves as a track, I think after the levy, I think I think it's quite a good screw for them. That's why we're seeing a lot of eight race cards because they're getting paid per race and they're low grade and. So there's not much prize money, and the tracks I think are doing quite well, and they don't really care if there's any punters coming through the door. There's a lot of different politics going off in races at the moment, where everyone's look feathering their own nests, including the big corps, including everyone, and and it's it's sad to see. I I really haven't got a solution, and I ain't got an answer to Paul's question because I don't know. I don't. Without looking at racing's finances or tracks finances on certain days i'm not i don't know if if having customers is worthwhile for them or not do you, do you need to employ more stewards if you've got a certain amount of people in the in the in the course etc i don't know i've absolutely no idea whether that's viable or not the only way it would be viable if you've got like a french system or a usa system where you've got a casino on track that literally is funding the, the prize money the racing and the punters can get in cheap and get get subsidized food and drink because the casino is paying for that but again it's the wrong marketing model for the for the age we live in because everyone's trying to get them banned. So, so, so yeah, exactly. So that's, so, so that's why I think race is dead. I, I don't see a solution until everyone comes together, and that's not going to happen. Um, yeah. Which which is so frustrating. So we, we we're, we're in a bit in a bit of shit. Somebody else in a bit of shit as well. <laughs> Bar stewards exclusive. I, I always, if I get this wrong, I'd be, I'd be, I could be in deep what, shit. What you need to say here is, we, we absolutely categorically announced that there is no truth whatsoever in the rumor that a prominent northern trainer, Poverty Oli. Yeah, a prominent uh, trainer from Moulton, a real prominent trainer. You know, uh, you yeah. can, everyone's imagination. 
prominent trainer, real, you know, real uh, heavyweight. Uh, might yeah. be literally, I, I could be, I could be referring to his weight, but I don't know. Could, might not be. Um, yes, he's he's been a naughty boy, and um, he's uh, he basically goes out with these set of lads boozing and stuff, and um, he's friends with this this scaffolding lad. They, they used to have a few bevies in the pub and stuff, and um, well, he decided that he he he, he quite liked his missus. Um, <laughs> And they got texting away, and um, away they go. And the the reason that I, I found this out is because obviously I've, I've seen the texts. And uh, secondly, um, the uh, the scaffolder he found out because the, his missus's phone was getting the old ping 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 away late at night, and he said, "Who's that texting you?" Took her phone off her, and it was the said trainer, the said prominent Molten trainer, blasting away with things like. Um, you know, um, you you know, you enjoy me inside you, and etc. etc. All all the gory details, which I'll spare you from. I'll spare I'll spare you from all the details. But <laughs> yeah, but you can you can imagine you can imagine. And um, so yeah, he's um he's been a bit of a dirty dog, and he's he's lying a bit low at the moment because the the scaffolder is not happy. <laughs> uh, these scaffolders are big lads, and um yeah, so 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 basically uh. Yeah, it's, um, if you open tighten the scaffolding up to your bare hands, imagine, yeah. imagine what you can do when you get them around the trainers. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 bad business, bad business. This, so yeah, that's the bastards exclusive, and uh, I can categorically tell you it's the truth because there's some very upset people in Moulton, I can assure you. Right, uh, before we finish, uh, we've just got a few questions, um, and basically. I'd like to discuss uh, the blogger really and the effects that blogger has on uh, things, John, because we talked about this. What racing now has become, hasn't it? About um, it's a better, it's, it, it, we have a 20 pound treble. We go to the races. Yeah. And then, and then we, you know, we, we, we're at, we get absolutely bollocks shit faced. And um, then what do we do at the end of the day? You get a stick. <laughs> And you take a photo of your steak and then you put it on Twitter and you say, rape my steak. <laughs> All the juices flowing out, rape my steak and four dripping chips in a in like a silver silver holder. And it, and and this steak, it might come on a slate, it might come on a yeah. whatever. Bin lid. <laughs> yeah, bin lid, that's it. Yeah. And it's rape that's my true. steak. And guess what? Sometimes a person will come on Twitter that's paid for that steak, and it'll say, "Look what's paid for my steak! This twenty pound yeah. double, bang!" Yeah, boom. Two ten on chances. Yeah. Yes. yeah, but that's society, isn't it? I mean, I did see a a Twitter post. I can't even remember the bloke's name because I've never watched it. But there's another sort of Love Island type uh, wannabe or, or, or previous participant that's sort of now promoting or influencing uh, th- this great sport of ours to, to, to his many followers. But my question is, well, what kind of followers are they? Are these the sort of people you want racing? Because if you do, then don't complain when a load of sort of sockless wannabes get pissed up and have a fight. Because well, that's, that's, what, that's what you that's wanted, race courses. That's who you're going to get through the door. I don't know why we need the blogger to entice those kind of people because really, if you just told them there was a wagon full of bananas just inside the gates, <laughs> it'd be quite easy to entice them down from the trees and get them in the race cars. Well, I, it's I, I think yeah, it, 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 exactly right. But you know, people shouldn't complain if 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 you know people are rowdy or. or or have a scrap on a set because that's what you want because that's what's the marketing's geared towards that's the sort of people that you know blogger and others are encouraging through the doors so don't yeah. don't moan if people are having their afternoons ruined by people throwing punches at each other you get you know you, you reap what you sow yeah I, I, we're over time this week but i'm carrying on because it's a good show because there's lots of stuff to get through and, and it just is one of those things that sometimes we like to keep it under an hour but you can always fast forward the shit and stuff like that and, and get to where you want but uh, need to touch on de Bromed this week dracula charged with drug offense um but it wasn't him it was nothing to do with him no 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 it was a member of his staff that was using a gel that contained etophenomate 
um, basically banned substances that he was rubbing into a horse called Miss Tempo that pissed up at Tremor that day. And That's surprising. Yes, and th- this is this is a funny old thing. Uh, Bob Baffert used a gel on his Medina Spirit that got <laughs> disqualified from the Kentucky Derby. I mean, the, the, but yeah, but um, what do you know? What I find worrying. Charlie Appleby's been done. He had an horse disqualified for a banned substance, and it's it's amazing, isn't it? Because you could sensationalise this if if the racing media wanted to, and, and the BHA wanted to, or, or the Irish uh, Horse Racing Authority wanted to make a meal. This they could, they could, they could plast this all over. They'd only do that if it was a if it was a low trader. If it was a if it yeah. was a, a low rank trader, they'd probably try and make an example of them to scare other people from using these banned substances. Because it's Henry de Bromhead, and because it's Charlie Appleby, it seems to be fast tracked through slap Danny's. £1,500 fine, naughty, naughty, we're disqualifying your horse, nothing more said. Same with Drac. Uh, Drac's come out and said, it's member of staff, what can I do? Nothing to do with me. Basically, I think the situation is crying out for the bastards to send our roving reporter over there. (laughs) (laughs) Who might just fancy Drac getting the gel out and giving her a rub down. Just, just, just to get the uh, the high end of this and see what's actually going on over there. Absolutely, we need to get Fry involved. Yeah, she might need a box to talk to Drake, but yeah, we need to get we need to get Fry out there and find out what's going off because sort of this is this is not really cricket, is it? Yeah, we, we, there's there's lots of trainers out there that that do the best, whatever, but they're not using substances that are banned. These are substances that are banned, and it's all right after event, but when everyone's land at bets and everyone's you know that's that's not in the spirit of the game. Um, otherwise, we'd just allow a free for all. We'd be like the Wild West, um, which it nearly is anyway. Um, By 1976, when the frogs were doing it and winning everything. Oh well, yeah, and recently, look at the French drug raids. Recently, you know, the, 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 yep. the, that's police heavily heavy police. You know, there's trainers that's retired. There's trainers that's 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 it. There's horses being moved all over the place because. Of all these trainers, you know, in 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 France that have been been drugging them, it's more rife than what people think. I'm sorry to go on about it, but it it's just is creeping disclosure, isn't it? Every month there's a story of some sort which is sort of swept under the carpet. But you know, viewed in isolation, you could sort of shrug and go, "Well, you know, a one-off event." But 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 viewed collectively, there's a big problem. There is a massive problem, and it's inconceivable that trainers in the UK and Ireland aren't doing exactly what their counterparts in the States and, and France are doing. It, it, inconceivable that there aren't people doing exactly that. They just haven't been caught yet. And it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's incremental. Every month there's something similar. Yeah. I mean, I mean to me, it's, it's one of like athletics half the time. I just think, shall, shall, shall we just let everyone just use what they want? Because it's just, it, it's just trying to police it all and trying to catch up with the latest thing or the latest, because I mean, this answers Boxing Man's question, which he, he's he's been on, and he said he says, "Do we feel that there's any undervalued but very capable trainers out there that don't receive the quality of horses, um, given their their sort of talents?" I think the thing is, Boxing Man, it's, it's whoever's got the best medication at the time that isn't isn't breaking the rules, you know, or, or is breaking the rules, but somehow they're getting past it, past the rules, like the Sean Fishlake. Uh, what he, he managed to develop a drug that beat the Americans. Like they couldn't detect it. That's why the Dubai were buying it. All around the world were buying it because the the authorities couldn't detect if you used it after a certain period. You couldn't detect that that it was in the system. So it's all about. It's the same thing with athletes for the implant. They, they, they will find an edge. You know, it's, it's a bit like why the Liverpool team, half the Liverpool team, have declared themselves asthmatic. It's why Chris Froome declared himself as asthmatic, and why the other the other rider that won the Tour de France asthmatic. Why? So they can have the steroid inhalers. You know, to, to help the breathing, which yeah. opens their airwaves. Yeah, it's it's all it's about an edge. that last minute edge that might, in horse racing terms, it might only be a length. It might only be, you know, whatever. But that length is the difference between landing the guineas and third in the guineas, and yeah. that's 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 what it's all built on, like stud fees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's where we're at. Um, so so boxing man, what well, well, put it this way, watch for the little trays like Ke- Kevin Philippart Defoy. Um, yeah. uh, uh, George Bowie. Um, watch for trainers that suddenly just go on a massive upward curve. Milton Harris over jumps. Venetia this year yeah. over jumps. Um, you know they've obviously got some lovely 
and I'm not saying, like I said, it's just like stringers and drugs. I'm saying it's, it could be medication to your joint pain, back pain, some brilliant uh, medication that they found. It's all about being in, ingenuity to bend, to beat the rules. And yeah. that's that's what makes them, because everyone can train in a way, same thing, nuts and hay, bet, good bedding, you know, routines. Everyone can do that. You know, yeah. it's, it's all about the fine detail. And I think that's where your better trainers are because they know how to work the system that's where i'd leave it at that okay i think we've sort of covered plenty there anything that you two'd like to add no <laughs> no no well hope you've enjoyed the show um like i say um you've, you've had everything today barster is exclusive everything um i'm back with john and i believe quentin and neville on friday to preview um, next weekend's action, which will be the Irish Guineas, etc., etc., which means Nev will be tipping at Stratford's evening meeting. That's all from me, John, <laughs> and Chris. We hope you enjoyed it, and uh, bye for now. <laughs>